Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, Zach. Welcome to the podcast today. How, how you doing? <laughs> Am I here with? Is this uh, Scottish Dean? Scottish, Scottish Deaner. <laughs> Deaner here from Scotland, I tell you. Giving it, uh, giving it all I've got here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much more I can give. Uh, you're doing great. You're yeah. doing great. All I want to say is donkey. <laughs> I donkey. I wonder if that, do people still know that reference? Shrek. From Shrek, yeah. from Shrek is a great movie. <laughs> so so if you're confused by Dean's new accent. That's right, I'm just tapping into my roots, okay. Tapping into his Scottish roots, and we just uh, wrapped up an amazing conversation with uh, Fiona Heffer from... Fiona. Fiona. <laughs> from you got to say it right, it's Fiona. <laughs> Get it right, will you? She's oh, our no. guest. you got to respect our guest. You can't mess up her name. Fiona. Fiona. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. All right. Scottish Dean. I'm Zach. I'm here with Scottish Dean. And uh, we just wrapped up with Fiona Heffer. Not saying it right still, but uh, they were sharing their um, their shared Scottish ancestry and yeah. uh, got into a little accent talk. We had a little, a little brogue off at the end. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I think she's got me beat, though, honestly. Yeah, yeah. It was good. All right. Steve Stendine back? Or are you still Scottish? So, well, yeah. I don't have my kilt. <laughs> so I'll just be Steve, Sten, Steve Stendine. I think your bagpipes are in the corner, though. Should <laughs> yeah. we bust them out? You know what we need? We need vegan haggis. <laughs> we do need vegan haggis. <laughs> no, I don't think, no. I don't think anybody needs haggis. Like, sorry to my Scottish <laughs> ancestors. Know, but it's true. but it's yeah, true. so we had a killer, like a really cool conversation. Yes. Touching on some really important topics that, yeah. you know, even prior to prior to our conversation, knowing what it was about, uh, I really had some kind of like enlightening moments with my own experiences and feelings around drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of realized that I'm a, I'm not a sober person, but I'm definitely a sober curious person. Yeah. Which was like kind of a new term, right? Mm-hmm. Or new, new, new language for something that we've like felt or lived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, speaking for myself, opt out of drinking alcoholic drinks for the most part, just because I don't feel like it, complements the life that I'm choosing to live. 
but I do still feel the the social pressures, um, even though at you know 36 years old I'm still trying to justify you know why I don't want to have a drink if I go for dinner or at the in-laws or even at times after saying no a few times I'll just say yes just out of easing everyone else's comforts and I'll go to the washroom and pour a beer out like yeah. how, how silly is that you yeah know? yeah so uh, we get into normalizing sober culture and celebrating non-alcoholic drinks with Fiona and I, I, I thought it was such a amazing enlightening educating conversation yeah definitely and like i mean her and her business partners aka the fam they're doing a really really cool thing by making this available and and again like kind of that realization i had throughout the conversation was like not only is it a great business that they're presenting but it's like a it's something that they're doing that is really part of the whole like wellness Mm -hmm. movement that's happening you know, Fiona articulated so well, like we look after our bodies in so many ways, whether it's movement or meditation, right? And all these things that like we practice and we do and advocate for in our lives, but then kind of like uh, sully it with something that isn't as good for us. Like Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, crack a beer or have a glass of wine or two or a cocktail. And, you know, it's finding finding that balance and doing something because it's in alignment with who you are, not just because there's like cultural pressure. Mm-hmm. Anyway, lots of, lots of cool kind of avenues in this conversation around that whole culture of drinking and what that does for us and yeah. how it serves us, maybe how it doesn't. Yeah. The potential ripple effect is enormous of replacing something that can be, can be harmful. I think People can have a healthy relationships with alcohol, but for, for many, it's harmful. And um, replacing that harm with something that can, uh, you know, really bring connection and community together in a healthy way. Yeah. I think it excites me and the possibilities are huge. And yeah, it was, it was fun to talk about. One thing I was, I was thinking about that we didn't touch on was, you know, growing up, there was this war on drugs. I guess it's still mm. kind of happening and, you know, cannabis you know marijuana weed whatever yeah uh we call it cannabis now because i think we're trying to change the narrative to um you know that of plant medicine versus that of a drug but cannabis mushrooms you know these other substances these other plant medicines were um deemed as as wrong as bad as harmful as dangerous Meanwhile, we normalized alcohol and celebrated it as part of our, our heritage and culture. Yeah. And now we're at this time where um, there's this like rise in cannabis and mushrooms and psychedelics because people are realizing their, their positive effects on, on mental well-being and, and um, seeing them as plant medicines versus drugs. And alcohol, this this substance that we've normalized and celebrated for forever, um, we're kind of seeing potentially as it for the the harm that it can cause. So we're kind of having the the juxtaposition of of these these things are flipping, and um, you know we're seeing cannabis in a whole new light. We're seeing mushrooms and psychedelics in a whole new light, and I think hopefully we're also seeing alcohol in a whole new light, mm-hmm. and that's allowing um, businesses like the one Fiona's creating and building through Sensorium to to succeed and foster possibility. Yeah, yeah. It's not just like a fringe thing, but it's like really there's something, there's a groundswell there that's like coming up 
with this opportunity to to live into like that wellness component knowing that people are social and it's nice to have something to drink mm-hmm. and it's nice to do that with friends and and share it but it doesn't have to have that deleterious effect of like consuming alcohol that is going to repress you know our kind of cognitive abilities to be present mm-hmm. with the people we're like socializing mm-hmm. with and yeah it'll be interesting to see you know over the next few years like how that continues to grow and I mean, I, the the trend is that people are are living and leaning more into health and wellness than ever before. And in some ways, it's been sped up by the pandemic, right? People are looking to be healthier, and you know, Peloton is like sold out everywhere, and people are doing home workouts and all of this kind of stuff, right? And yeah, looking at how their mental health can be facilitated through microdosing some of these things that, again, you had said like previously would have been seen as drugs or illicit, illegal substances, and that people are taking them and using them for the purpose of like their mental health and their well being. And then realizing that maybe alcohol, that daily beer, glass of wine, whatever it is, is actually working against those things. I think the tide is right for turning. Absolutely. Yeah. Even thinking about my own, some of my own personal heroes, there's like a consistent theme of sobriety. Like we, we talk about Rich Roll, yeah. one of our the guys we look up to, uh, Dak Shepard from Armchair Expert. Like there's all these amazing people that have, I think, have found that they have addictive personalities or problems with addiction, and that's shown up through drugs or alcohol um, to be the. Um, to self-medicate those those the sickness of addiction, but they people like Rich Roll and, and Dak Shepard have have replaced those habits with healthy habits that they've yeah. found new addictions to, whether it be running or breath work or meditation, or just like the evolution of of themselves. Um, I think seeing those shifts is exciting because mm-hmm. uh, it brings so much opportunity where. Maybe it was a dead end before. Yeah. Well, and you just, you, there's certain things you can't do when you are not sober, <laughs> right? Uh, or you can't do well. Uh, and the, the impact of that in the immediate aftermath, in terms of like the next morning, like you're robbed of the ability to get up and go for a run or to be fully present or to feel good and to wake up and, and feel good. Like that's a, that's a good thing. Right. To get out of bed and be like, yeah, I'm refreshed. I'm ready for the day. Not like, oh, I'm like paying for last night where many of us have have been there. And just like that, that desire to to look after yourself, both in the short term and the long term. Like it's crazy. The statistics and the and the science and the data we have on long prolonged, not even like alcoholism or alcohol abuse, but like just prolonged alcohol use on our physical bodies like it's it's not good for us it's not good it's not good for us and and we consume it or it's so readily available and accessible that it we almost think like oh it's not that bad because like you can get it at that store and just over here and it's on menus that like every restaurant you go to yes i'm just curious like what does it add to your life versus if you took it away what space would that give way to adding something different to your life and what would that what would that be yeah and i mean this is i I don't mean to be insensitive with this next statement in any sense because i know that you know there's very real 
and tragic loss associated with alcoholism and, and use. But like the, the flip side of that question is like, if you take it away, how does it enhance your life? It's just like kind of the brass tacks of just like, nobody's ever died by not drinking alcohol. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. And like probably it, we can all think of someone close to us or within our circle that has either had a significant like negative impact on their life, lost their life, taken a life because of some sort of uh, involvement in like alcohol use, overuse, abuse. And like, that's tragic. Mm-hmm. That's tragic. And if it can be avoided, like we should be leaning in that direction for sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get into it. Let's uh, turn things over to Fiona. Yeah. Fiona. Fiona. Take it away. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Talk Catch about. this. We're rolling. We're rolling. We're rolling. All right. We've already plotted and it's been amazing. Yeah. We've, we've Thanks covered, for listening, everybody. <laughs> we've covered we the universe, episode, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the origins of faith and spirituality. We just forgot to record. Yeah. It's okay. So, but we'll let you in on this latter half of the conversation, everyone. All right. So, who are we sitting here with today, Dean? <laughs> we are here with our friend, Fiona. Fiona Hepper from Sensorium. Sensorium. Welcome. Thanks Thank for you. thanks for joining this uh, roundtable of uh, possibility. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to dive in, get into to drinking culture, get into sobriety, get into what you're creating, the space you're holding with your business. But uh, maybe we can just talk about you for a little bit first. Yeah. 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 Sure. It's, it's kind of that that origin story journey. It's always nice if people aren't sure about who who it is they're tuning into here to kind of get mm-hmm. you know get a little bit of the story behind behind the story if you mm-hmm. will how's your day going oh it's so good i got a little tour of steveston which i haven't mm. had before yeah. always sunny <laughs> always sunny <laughs> yes even when it's gray yeah that's right <laughs> um yeah so surprisingly haven't been to steveston before but i am born and raised north vancouver yep. now live in vancouver um where i feel more at home there you go but always need to be close to the water so i have lived abroad. I lived in Dubai for five years um, after traveling around the world. And the only reason why I chose it was because it was the closest thing to the water. And I felt like I was still at home. And that added bit of sunshine really helped I was my say. vitamin D levels. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm powered by the sun. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I knew some people who lived in like Kuwait and they're like, well, it's so hot and sunny all the time. I was like, you take that back. I know. <laughs> Never take it for Do granted. not complain about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Where did you go on your travels? I, I don't even know these stories. Oh, I, I wanted to visit family around the world. So my yeah. parents immigrated to Canada when they were 19 and 24. Um, together. Where, where were they born and raised? England and Scotland. Okay. But they met and fell in love in Scotland. Okay. And my dad said, "You can, we can get engaged and married, but we're going to Vancouver. Like that's the one place I want to live." His his grandfather horseback rid all the way through Canada, so that's how he knew Whoa. about it. Um, so yeah, they moved. They nannied and cleaned toilets and worked at small jobs and put themselves through school um, with no family. So when I you know, <laughs> growing up, I had neighbors that were aunts and uncles and neighbors that were grandmas and grandpas. But when I turned 19, almost 20, I, I really wanted to meet sort of the the blood family. Mm-hmm. So I just set myself up on a journey, a cool. little four-month journey around the world and went and did all of England and Scotland and had a couple hops to places like New York and San Francisco and Paris. 
Australia. Okay. Yeah, Dubai. Just, just, some, just some, you know, <laughs> casual jaunt. spots. Yeah, yeah. A jaunt. But Dubai is where my dad's oldest brother lived for 35 years. Wow. So he was there almost at the foundation of the country. And he really just showed me the beauty of it. I, I didn't actually see the, the high rises and the cement and the concrete jungle until I met some younger people. But it was him that showed me the Dow boats and the pearl divers and the water in the desert and the empty quarter. That's mm-hmm. where I really saw the beauty of Dubai. So that's what I fell in love with. That's Amazing. cool. Yeah, because yeah. when you think of Dubai now, you think of like that kind of iconic, like all of the structures and the, mm-hmm. uh, the immense like city that you see right mm-hmm. on the coast or whatever. But there's yeah. there's a lot more. There's so that. much more. Yeah. And I, I was really lucky. I got into social entrepreneurship in Dubai. So I started working on community grassroots projects that really wanted to inspire empathy. And so we would create these these creative ways of seeing another human being and that may be from a completely other parallel world to you, but you're both in Dubai. And you may be a CEO and that person may be, you know, pouring concrete, but you're both away from family, you're both away from home, you're both trying to make a living and um, though those lives look really different, you can say for a second, like I see you. Wow. Yeah. That's something we need even more of in the world now, mm-hmm. right? As we see becoming increasingly divided and the, just the lack of empathy that is existing within us and seeing other people not as humans, but as like less than or other mm-hmm. because of different opinions, beliefs, whatever landing mm-hmm. places. Yeah. That's, That's such good. a beautiful thing that travel does though. It allows yeah. you to like celebrate differences mm-hmm. and, and cultures and kind of explore those curiosities. And I think, it allows us hopefully to, to come home as better people, mm-hmm. more open-minded and and more interested in, in learning and being students and mm-hmm. being curious about other cultures because it is so interesting mm-hmm. to learn about other people and their history. And mm-hmm. I think if we can lead with that, you know, we can fix fix a lot of problems and, and you know, live a happy existence. Yeah, amen. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. So I remember reading... A Rolling Stone article when I was like in my early 20s and um, they took all these celebrities and they asked like what they would do if they were the president and I remember George Clooney you know cool cool George Clooney he put that he would just how some countries mandate that you join the army and do a service he would mandate that everybody go and travel for 18 months because he thinks if you saw the world Mm. it would solve the world's problems Mm. and that always kind of like stuck with me yeah i do think that like if we got out of our bubbles in our little echo chambers and you know talk to people that yeah. we see as different or or as others to who we are i think uh we would unite a lot quicker mm-hmm. than we would divide yeah it sounds like you know that's we do unconscious bias training mm-hmm. in boardrooms on zoom calls with the same people that we work with every single day and yet I would say that's the unconscious bias training that we need mm-hmm. is step outside your comfort zone, step outside your four walls and go way beyond, like yeah. go where you don't know, yeah. where the, you don't know the language, like mm. English is the foreign language, mm-hmm. <laughs> not the norm. You know, no one looks like you. People cover their hair. People cover their faces. Um, yeah. That's be the, different. That's yeah. the education we need. Be different. Yeah. 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 Well, to be in a position of like require, like needing help. Mm-hmm. I think is when we're in our comfort zone and kind of in our bubble, you can exist almost without anyone 
like you you kind of know where you need to go for groceries or where you can go for entertainment or fun or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. but as soon as you're in a different space where you don't know where those things are like you you're kind of in a position of need and so that that opens us up Mm -hmm. to receive Mm -hmm. right and i think that that's what a lot of us need is like to be able to receive something from someone else that we might typically not have an encounter with Mm -hmm. and that's where so much of like the learning and stuff can come from too is just being open to someone else helping you i love that me too all right well that's where where i was that's where (laughs) that's where i lived for a little bit yeah and then then i moved back to vancouver where i'm from amazing did you ever think while you're on those travels that you might set up a uh, shop somewhere else and, and make somewhere else mm. in the world your home or did you know you were going to come back? I actually thought I'd probably be in the Middle East for a lot longer. Yeah. I was there for just over five years and then my family kind of had some health challenges and just the distance um, really settled in that if something was to happen that needed some urgency, I didn't have mm-hmm. the ability to be urgent and get somewhere quickly. So mm. I, I kind of closed the gap on our distance. Yeah. Did you find you saw Vancouver with a new lens after living abroad for five years or like your relationship yes. to Vancouver? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of people who hadn't really left mm-hmm. where they had grown up. Um, my friendships with them weren't as strong because you had, I had seen other things and, and we've grown out of that now. I have a beautiful community of people or have traveled the world or just, um, really knowledgeable in other ways that I'm not. But um, at the time, I felt a little bit of, uh, yeah, a little bit of distance. Like Mm -hmm. I had been the expat for a long time as well in Dubai. And that had a certain story and narrative that brought me a lot of um, pride. And having been been so traveled and having seen so much, I felt quite proud of my accomplishments at such a young age. So coming home and mixing back in was a little hard for me at the time. Yeah. Because maybe you, one thing when, when I travel, I feel like I, I change a lot. I evolve a lot. And to come back to someplace that necessarily from a, you know, physical perception stayed the same. Sometimes it takes some, some reassimilation in a way to be able to get back to living to the pace that, you know, we, we mm-hmm. live here back home. Yeah, they call it reverse culture shock. Yeah. yeah. I definitely felt that. Yeah, it's a and, and that's like, at least Dubai, um, it's kind of similar to what we're about to talk about, actually. It's, you know, alcohol in the Middle East is, um, is not allowed, typically. But it is everywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. all hotels and all restaurants that are in hotels and all bars that are in hotels, there's a massive prevalence of alcohol. So I was exposed to more um, drinking culture there than I had been when I left when I was 19 mm. um, because it was it was the only thing that people enjoyed doing and you've also got an influx of you know other western countries lots of Australians lots of Brits lots of Europeans the prime activity in all those cultures is drinking mm-hmm. and they brought their culture with them right so and you're all a little nervous, you know, you're all away from home, you're all trying to meet people, and a lot of people are single and dating, so getting a drink or drinking alcohol is the baseline activity. So yeah, what was your relationship? Maybe we can just talk about, you know, our, our experiences trying alcohol for the mm-hmm. first time, or, or just like drinking as a young person, mm-hmm. what, what that relationship was like. Like I know 
for myself, like it was so exciting. Like I just wanted to, <laughs> you know, get that six pack, get that cooler, get that, you know, whatever it was. I wanted to party and I wanted the alcohol and I wanted to drink as many as I could, as fast as I could. And I like, we talk about badge of honor. Like I was like proud that I could like knock back a six pack in like 10 minutes or I could like beer bong, like two beers at once or whatever, you know, like I was like proud of how much I could drink. And my mom was always like so worried, you know, like my poor mom. And now like fast forward, like I like rarely drank. Um, and my mom's like, it's flipped. She's like, come on, have a drink. Like, don't be so boring. I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like it, mom. <laughs> don't be so, don't be so boring. boring. I love that line. Yeah. You're going to turn to that. Yeah. So um, that was, yeah. that was me. And I, I grew out of that. I would say by the time I was like 25, 26, but for a while it was like, if you, I had a day off or an evening off, it was like, it revolved around alcohol. That was the, mm-hmm. And I never saw it in like a problematic sense, um, but it was just like where myself and my group of friends were gravitated to. If we mm-hmm. were hanging out, yeah, it would uh, the social construct revolve construct revolved around um, having a drink. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, it took some time to realize that uh, you know you can hang out without having a drink. What was it like for so you? So true. Oh, well, the the immediate memory that comes yeah. to mind when you ask what's your first drinking experience was I used to work at Earl's. Okay, guys. Yeah. As a cactus club that, guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was that later on, but I was first an Earl's girl. Um, I was a teenager and I I used to go to Hornby Island and summer there with friends and their parents would come and my parents would come and all get cabins. It was such a great time. I have amazing memories there. But I remember that sixteenth, you know, year I was the cool person that was going to get the hookup from the older guys at Earl's for the Mickey and the two six and whatever. (laughs) And I did not realize what I was signing up for when I got to that beach party and I started chugging, (laughs) literal drinking like water, some of that vodka. And I, within minutes, I would say (laughs) I was already a a blackout on the Mm. beach and they had to carry me home. And I was sick as a dog for three days and mortified absolutely mortified every parent knew you know I had I was glued to Seinfeld for three days in in my little shame spiral in in the in the cabin and I knew I never wanted to do that again so I lessened what I drank but I still I still drank you know for a number of years but I also loved when I got my license and I learned you know that I could go to a party and not drink and drive everybody home I had the sense of freedom that I could also work the next day and I could also like run a business and felt felt really great. So I started to pull back more and more and more. Um, and I was kind you know, kind of known for just like going to the bar and just grabbing a, a cocktail glass that had some, you know, soda water in it, looked like a cocktail but wasn't really one. Or like shooting the shot off the side of my shoulder, like not actually drinking it. Um, I pretended I played along. Like I really did. There was a lot of pressure. To, to be cool, you know, to maintain the image of drinking alcohol. Um, but I never felt good. I was allergic to hangovers from like the first day mm. I drank. So. Yeah. So, so funny. What about, what about, what about you, Dina? Yeah. They're not, they're not so fun. I've never been drunk. <coughs> no. <laughs> I was with you there for a second. Yeah. 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 Mm. No, no. They, uh, for, for <laughs> me, like, uh, like in my household growing up, like it was always a thing. Like my parents weren't like 
alcoholics, but there was often like my, you know, my dad and my grandma, like our heritage, like they loved scotch. And so there was always like a drink kind of at dinner, after dinner or whatever. And certainly like holidays and stuff was more of a celebration, but it was never like forbidden in our house. So I didn't have that like kind of rebellious streak as a teenager to be like, okay, like I'm going to go out and like get drunk. Because I had seen like what I had done to some friends and like I had an older brother or have an older brother who kind of paved the way in a lot of like maybe some of that rebellious stuff. And we were close enough in age that I saw like the the ramifications of that. And like in our, in our childhood home growing up, like my bedroom shared a wall with like the bathroom. So sorry, Craig, <laughs> but like I would hear my brother come home and he was obviously had too much to drink and was just like sick all night and then with the toilet yeah Yeah. right and i'd be like oh man he was just like flushing all night Mm -hmm. and i was like oh roll back over and then he was working at a job he would get up in the morning to go to work and just like felt terrible and Mm -hmm. you know there's some funny stories that i won't expose him and share like (laughs) you know (laughs) that's enough for him yeah yeah yeah. Uh, but uh, so i kind of saw it that way but definitely like participated um, but I never, I had this weird thing where I never felt, I never felt the pressure to drink to like fit in or mm-hmm. be cool or be accepted. Mm-hmm. And I just like whether or not I was kind of ignorant of it, but I just like kind of skated through those high school years being like, I don't mind, like I'll have a beer or a little drink here and there. But like throughout high school, I never, I was never drunk, never mm-hmm. got drunk during high school. And then afterwards you kind of like dabble more and mm-hmm. it definitely happened. But I've always enjoyed drinking but never to the point of like being someone who would drink too much. Like I kind of knew my limit and stayed there. Mm -hmm. But then in recent years, like, I don't know, since, well, since 2020, like during COVID when everything kind of shut down, I was like buying all this beer, like to support the breweries, like support my favorite local breweries. Like I want to see them survive and like it. But then I just found like I wasn't doing anything and I was drinking like a bomber bottle of beer a night or two. And I'm like, ah, this is not a good practice for me. Like, I'm just sitting here drinking and like, I don't think I should be doing this. So it kind of just stopped. Mm. And like, you know, maybe once in a while, but like very infrequently do I drink Mm -hmm. now for the last, whatever, 18 months or whatever it's been since the first month and a bit of COVID. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's never been been a huge thing for me. So maybe we can just crack into that. normalizing sober culture Mm -hmm. i feel like the normal thing is the drinking culture like if you're that one person if you go out for dinner with a group of people and and you're like no i'll just have water people are ask well why what's wrong with you or do you have a problem like there's all these negative connotations with not drinking Mm -hmm. um so maybe we can just like kind of hop into to sober culture sober curiosity and and uh, we can kind of explore from there yeah Um, I mean, I first noticed it a couple of years ago. Uh, I joined this really beautiful women's group. Um, We were all in sort of brand and marketing. And um, we got to our first dinner. It was the first time we were ever meeting. And we sat down. And before we really, like, said, you know, how are you? And what do you do? And that kind of thing. We all were like, let's get a drink. You know, let's get a drink. All of us. What are you going to drink? What are you going to drink? What are you going to drink? And then I kind of just was like, wow. And I wasn't drinking that night. And I was like, wow, we really need it. You can feel it in our voices. There's like an urgency to get it on the table, to get it in our hands, to lubricate us, to be able to have 
these new relationships. And I'm, you know, I may be putting words into their mouths about how they felt, but it was certainly the energy that I felt in the room from the, just how quick we like had to drop into that um, activity before we started to talk. And I've just sort of paid attention to other you know, groups like that or events and, and just how quickly we talk about getting a drink even when dating. And I've, you know, I've tried dating the last couple of years and most people will suggest going to grab a drink at a bar and before we've even like really said hello and get to know each other, we're already having a drink to try and, you know, settle the nerves. Mm-hmm. And I have so much compassion for that. I really, really do. It is not easy to be an, a human in the world. <laughs> let alone trying to engage with other new humans mm-hmm. in the world who may have also a little freneticism around the newness of our relationship and what are we and um, where is this going to go and do we like each other, do we not, what are your things, what are my things. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to take on. So I have an immense amount of compassion for it. I've been there myself, but I've also, now that I know the science behind alcohol, and what it's actually doing to our brain at a chemical level. If I'm trying to be a person that's trying to connect with someone, alcohol is actually doing the opposite. It's, sh- it's a short level, short-lived level of endorphins that help us kind of feel artificially connected, and then we dr- it drops. The hormone leaves our body, and we continue to have, we fight for it again, so we have another drink. But in the process, we're, we're just depressing our system even more, and that's when we don't have the capacity to make decisions that we would have made if we were sober or clear right Mm. so it's not actually doing the thing that we're most of us are trying to do when we're meeting new people or we're dating or we're building relationships which is trying to connect yeah i find that really interesting yeah and how it has that kind of effect of like giving you a little bit of it but then as soon as you take more it actually like has that reverse effect because people will be like, oh, I'll just keep drinking and then I'll feel more of this. Mm-hmm. But it's actually taking them away from that feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's unconscious too. Because after a first the first couple drinks and you have that inebriation, you don't actually have the full capacity and the awareness to say, oh, I'm actually losing connection and I'm trying to chase it. Mm, <laughs> right, yeah. You're, you're a little bit too far gone if, if, you, if you've felt the effect of the alcohol at that point. So mm. you're chasing the game. It's a bit of a rabbit, you know, running. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't sell that in the. They don't tell you that in the ads. That's not on the Crown Royal bottle. No. No. <laughs> so that's so interesting. I mean, alcohol. The alcoholic industry has painted an incredibly beautiful image for what it offers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all see the Cheers photos. We all see the ads for the beautiful commercials, on the beaches and and in the parties and stuff. But do they ever show what's actually happening? Yeah. Imagine if Cheers was like a tea bar or something like that, you know, like just a bunch of bunch of yeah. guys getting together for their <laughs> afternoon tea. <laughs> yeah. the, bra- the Brownwood bar. Sound me yeah, up. so true. But they don't actually show, you know, folks that are making decisions that they're going to regret or, mm, yeah. you know, developing um, a dependency on alcohol. They don't mm. show the throwing up till four in the morning and yeah. trying to get up to go to work. They don't show and the hungover. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's where the power of it is, like the culture and messaging like around and behind these brands and just like alcohol in general, even in like TV or movie situations, like it is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like it's ubiquitous with like social engagements or yeah, getting together to meet someone new or whatever it is. Like there's always, there's always a drink. 
and like recently in some well even not recently but in some shows like it it is showing like the negative side of it but it's interesting how it's still so prevalent Mm -hmm. and like typically the messaging is like it makes you cool it makes you like more sexy or popular or whatever it might be to like have a drink or to be drinking something or like that's even even the I mean the gender behind it Mm -hmm. like oh you're drinking that like isn't that a girly drink Mm. or like oh wow like yeah she drinks beer like she drinks IPAs like whoa so cool Yeah, yeah versus it just so even the gender to kind of like whatever pressure behind it to drink this or not to drink this because of who you are mm-hmm. like represented as is mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Yeah. And I want to I want to like take a step back as well. There's I think with alcohol you can choose your own adventure mm-hmm. and you can play, you know, play within your limit. Um, not everybody, but there are a lot of people that can. So I and Sensorium was built with the message that you you can do that there is still the option to have a drink and to know that that's your only drink and that's it for the night. Um, but it's the awareness of that. That's what we push. It's knowing that two is too many for you or eight mm-hmm. is too many for you or one is too many for you. Right. And, and living with that awareness, like to me, that's what, that's what sobriety actually means to me. It's, it's to listen. Mm. And it, and for other people, sobriety is the number of days where they haven't had an alcoholic drink. For me, it's a, a practice that I fail at often. I don't always listen to myself. I don't mm-hmm. always listen to the body and to what the heart says and mm-hmm. what the soul says and what you know, the lower body says. And so I fail at my sobriety all the time, but I, I pick it up every morning if I can. And I come back to that groundedness. And I think that's the, the, the root of the word actually is steadiness in mm-hmm. Latin. It's, it's gravity. Yeah. I resonate with that because I think just being intentional, like I, like I said, I don't, identify as a a sober person even though I never drank but if I chose to drink I'd be fine with it like if I was celebrating a friend's wedding or like some monumental occasion where I, th- I I felt like a, a drink would amplify the the occasion I would I would say yes but more scenarios than not I just am like well I know I'm gonna feel worse tomorrow I don't need to have a drink with dinner mm-hmm. I don't need to have a casual drink mm-hmm. uh, if we're going out to have a chat or hang out or whatever like mm-hmm. um i kind of save those situations for special times that are are true celebrations rather than just having a drink for the sake of it and um feeling worse and i think it it coincided with you know with the juice track becoming more aware of my own personal wellness and just becoming more um in touch with it like realizing how i felt for work for athletic performances for running or playing soccer or being with my kids if I if I had a drink you know I I wasn't as connected to those other aspects of my life that I um, deemed were more important than having a beer or Mm -hmm. a scotch or something like that yeah so it's just kind of what you're talking about like that intention and I think I can intentionally choose to have a drink or two drinks or whatever but I'm kind of I don't need that to be a regular thing or or a social construct to be able to have a conversation or hang out with somebody. Mm. So what is it about, you know, when you go to a special occasion, that wedding, you say you want to elevate the experience. What is it about the drink that offers you that? Um, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> Flipping things. Um, you know, personally, like I don't have and I don't have an attachment to alcohol and, and more cases than not, I, I do say no. 
Um, but if I'm want to ease, relax into like the general mood of what's happening and, and maybe get a little bit silly and, you know, act out of, um, maybe, I don't want to say act out of my boundaries. I I'd say like maybe become more kid-like or, 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 or free in the moment. Um, you know, a couple drinks can, can just make me more playful with my, my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can be playful without alcohol too. Mm-hmm. It just like mm-hmm. depends. It takes me a little while to get in that mood, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear um, you. I hear you. So that's usually, usually it's with my closest high school friends and it's like, the societal norm that we've built as a group is like having drinks. So if one of them's getting married or having a bachelor party, like I'll usually engage not all the time, but I'll choose those moments where, mm-hmm. you know, I'll join them and we usually revert back to, you know, mm-hmm. being high school guys. <laughs> and it is fun. Yeah. You know, for that moment. Yeah. Mm. But it's not something that I need for all of the moments or, or yeah. for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday or whatever, you know, like I, I found previously, you know, if you went for dinner with friends, you'd have a drink or if you went to a parent's house, you'd have a drink or if you wanted to chat with somebody, you'd have a drink and, mm-hmm. you know, I mm-hmm. opt out of all of those now. So mm-hmm. well, Yeah, I think we, we talked about this before, but using the word drink to describe yes. alcohol. Yes, let's right? talk about that. Why, why am I, why are we even saying why? that? Like, yeah. Let's talk about language. Why yeah. can't it be a juice? Why can't it be a totally. juice? Why can't it be yeah. a tea? Why doesn't the juice truck make me feel silly, you know? <laughs> it should. Yeah. It's got to put a little more, a little maca. Yeah, exactly. A little, little more a little pine pollen, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. It'll bring some silliness out. I think it's true. I think we... Why have why have we shortened that that word that perception? Because we should like I remember even in L.A. there was like a tonic bar, Dragon Herbs. Yeah. That's like mm-hmm. a, a traditional Chinese medicine um, shop where you can buy herbs and stuff. But they have a tonic bar where you can they'll make you brewed teas or elixirs that have various tinctures or herbs in them. And I remember going there with Ryan, and I actually felt more intoxicated off of these herbs yeah. than I did from alcohol. Yeah. And there's no like hangover or totally, I believe you. Um, mm-hmm. Buzz. I mean, I think there's like cava cava and yeah. other things in there yeah. that kind of can modify your mood mm-hmm. in a you know less damaging way. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's so many plants that we know very little about or have not been introduced to the wider market for us to access, but they they work. <laughs> they do. Hundred percent. Yeah. But yeah, let's let's jam on language. Like we were we were talking about this before, like. Mm-hmm. Going for a drink, people assume that's alcohol, Mm -hmm. but it should be anything that's, you know, a beverage. And then when we're associating with alcohol, like some of the language that's attached to it, we were just kind of having a bit of a brainstorm before, like, and these are terms that I definitely have used when, you know, talking to a group of friends when I was younger, like blackout, wasted, slaughtered, sloshed, wrecked, hammered, trashed, Mm shit-faced, you know, like... Are these positive things? Yeah. I'm not sure they are. Yeah. I know, I know. We and and we love them too. We love those words, don't we? We all yeah. use them. I even used it earlier. I mean, it is really descriptive of what happens. So it's being honest at the very least. Mm. Um, we could actually just revert to saying, "Would you like to go for a glass of wine?" Mm-hmm. Or "Would you like to go grab a cocktail?" Or "Grab a beer?" Like we could actually do that. I don't know what's stopping us. Um, drink sounds lighter to me it feels a little bit lighter it feels like we're not invested as much in the alcohol so maybe it feels a little more casual uh, casual or appropriate even um 
for a person that doesn't want to have alcohol, it's a little assumptive mm-hmm. um, now. So it, it, it there's a little, especially when you're just sort of meeting somebody or getting to know them. If they don't know that you don't drink, it's it kind of creates a bit of a um, tougher conversation. At least I've felt mm-hmm. to navigate that. Like actually, you know, just so you know, I'm not going to have an alcoholic drink. But if they have non-alcoholic drinks, I'd be happy to grab. Like you know, there's the extra clarification. Yeah, required. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. I think if we used a little more inclusive language um, or even just set up the environment a bit better for people to navigate easier around not drinking, then we'd probably lower the stigma around it. So, yeah, that was something I wanted to ask, like destigmatizing sobriety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People associate it with not having, choosing not to have a drink because, you know, we briefly touched on like having a problem or they're curious why. Mm -hmm. Um, So why, why, how do we, destigmatize that well, how do we normalize just having a drink of water having a tea yeah. or having some kava or whatever <laughs> you want some maca you know well first i think we look at why people need other people to drink alcohol with them mm-hmm. at the same time and why are they drinking alcohol in the first place so if your intention is to you know you're feeling uncomfortable or you're you're uncomfortable in your own discomfort <laughs> at that location or with that group of people and you need the alcohol to sort of like lower your senses a little bit and lower the barriers so you can enter into a more comfortable space Um, and that feels vulnerable for you I feel like you like having a buddy you know Mm. a drinking buddy if you will um, to help you and so when someone else chooses not to it like raises the alarms that maybe you're not doing something correct or it's wrong Mm. or you know something you know kind of like that so I think we um we get nervous and we try and find other people to come on board with us to normalize our own needs at the time, you know? So kind of what I'm hearing and probably might be the truth for a lot of people is like alcohol can help us escape insecurities. It gives like a false confidence or a liquid confidence. So how do we just like your parent, uh, I know you've worked in sexual wellness in the past and probably, you know, still part of who you are. Um, how do we just raise confident people that can have confident experiences and conversations oh. without alcohol? Oh, my gosh. So true. So true. I mean, a, a lot of the I don't know if you um, listen to the work of Zach Bush, but I, I love the way that he talks about raising humanity and getting comfortable with our discomforts and really that sort of awareness, that's what sobriety means for me. And so when I talk to Olive about, you know, going into school or meeting new people, I put zero pressure on the on the whole act of itself. If she doesn't want to go into school that day, I wait outside five, 10, 15 minutes. When she's ready to go in, she's ready to go in. And that's her teaching herself how to regulate her nervous system. And that's me facilitating the okayedness and the assuredness that it's all right to do that. You mm-hmm. don't have to rush in and, and get comfortable with everybody at everyone else's pace. You do it at your pace. And so if that translates to um, when she becomes a teenager, my hope is that she says no when she really means no. And she says yes when she means yes. And she says, I'm not ready. And no one goes too fast and no one pressures her. And she moves fast when she wants to. And if that translates to adolescence, then I think I've done my job. Um, we're, we're all probably rushed. We're all probably doing things we don't want to do. Um, we're all probably in busier environments than we want to be in. 
you know, in nature, when you are when you're regulated by nature and co-regulating, you you have tools beyond yourself to be able to pull your nervous system into alignment. And the way that the birds are chirping and the crickets are cricketing, that's heartbeats. Those are rhythms, and we can actually come into alignment with those things. At a bar with raging music or even just with lots and lots and lots of chatter around you, it's really hard for a lot of people's emotional systems to come into balance with that. So I don't blame us for Mm. being nervous and feeling out of whack and feeling, you know, really frenetic. I am too. But we live in these (laughs) <laughs> we live in these cities and this is what the activities yeah. are right it's kind of like crazy taking all of the elements that we battle with every day like you were saying like the culture of of hustle and hurry and like rushing and burden and all this stuff that we carry with us and then we bring that into like our zones of like socialization or unwind where what we actually need is like something that's a completely different pace something that's maybe more tuning in than tuning out and rather we like opt to like dull our senses so that we can like carry on this facade but in like a more social way to try and get to know someone which is like kind of laughable now when you realize like you're just adding more barriers between you and that person or that group of people and what is actually needed is like uh, to kind of strip some of that stuff away but culturally that's like the norm is like, oh, let's go out to the bar to like connect. But it's like, you get, you're yelling at each other. Like you can't really hear you're drinking. There's people bumping around. Like, it's just, it's not like, if you just look at it as an observer, like it's not a place to connect with people. Mm -hmm. It's like chaos. Yeah. And you go out at a nervous system level, it's overload. Yeah. to an already probably overloaded and overburdened nervous system in the first place. Totally, which is why you look at someone who maybe isn't at the bar all the time but is on 14 Zoom calls in a day and turns off the computer. You know, we're all at home. We just close the computer and you just sit back and, like, you just try and wash it off. Yeah. But if you don't know how to do that by yourself, I don't, I don't blame you for wanting to go to a, a substance like alcohol mm-hmm. and have it done in 20 minutes artificially. Right. You know, even the first sip, let's talk about it actually at a body level, even the first sip of a substance you know is going to make you feel relaxed, that first sip will do it. Why? Because your body knows. Your body knows what to do. Mm. So I drink all (laughs) non-alcoholic beverages now, not a single drop of alcohol. I get a flushed chest with red wine. My back starts to feel loose with beer. Even yesterday I was doing a tasting with a guy and I had two sips of beer and I was like, I'm... I'm feeling something already. And it's fully non-alcoholic. Yeah. Why? Because for the first 15 years, my body drank alcohol and knows exactly how to f- how to move into that state. So it's doing it for me. And I think that's, I mean, we're looking at placebo effect. That's what we're talking about. This is not contained to this industry. This goes way beyond mm-hmm. other industries, too. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> Try it. Yeah. Let me know what you think. Oh, so we've got awesome. this, like, learn body language our, our body history where you have a drink and your body can has that remembered experience and it can mimic it without alcohol mm-hmm. so really we're just like these are all these crutches that we're we're holding to kind of get us through the day yeah. get, allow us to operate through society when we just going back to that connection like finding ways to connect that are are intentional 
I have been part of a weekly a cold plunge group. I've oh. seen this on Every your Instagram, Saturday. and I'm kind of jealous because <laughs> oh, no. it's all women, isn't it? Uh, no, it's 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 mixed. Oh, all right, so we yeah. can we can crash Anyone your can plunge come. party. Yeah, it's every Saturday at eight thirty. We go from Sunset Beach. Okay, we've been doing it for a couple of years. Um, it is a beautiful practice. It's a really wonderful ritual. It certainly is sobering in all the definitions. Absolutely. Um, it's a great way to spend your Saturday morning that would typically be met with needing to sleep in or, and we all need to sleep in because we're tired from work, but if you were to go out and have a really late night on Friday and maybe drink too much, you wouldn't necessarily have that Saturday morning, whereas we've, we've claimed back the Saturday yeah, morning. Take it back. Um, yeah. We're taking it back. And I just love it. I'm always uncomfortable. I always get nervous before I go in. I always like, I tense up and then I fall into this wonderful relaxation and we all get out and we're all shivering, we're all cold, but there's so much alignment between the the five of us, the three of us, the 10 of us that just did it. We're all so happy to be there. We're all Mm. so at peace with one another. And a few weeks ago, we all looked around and someone new to the group was like, no, I don't drink or something. And we all looked around and we're like, neither do any of us like it was such a cool moment we were all realized we were we were all sober people or we were all practicing sobriety in some fashion yeah um and that alignment is what i'm always looking for yeah. whether it's personal relational with work um that's what you need it's really interesting i like even as you're saying this like i'm kind of revisiting phases and stages of my life where like alcohol and drinking was was more uh, of like a common theme or a, a regular practice. And then as soon as you started talking about like alignment, I was like revisiting it and thinking of times where I would like drink, but not because like I wanted to, but because like maybe socially or given the situation, it felt like it was like what I should do. And even at times like participating in it or drinking um, f- to like create an image that like other people would see and be more comfortable with, even though like that wasn't who I am. So like the example that I'm thinking of is like, I was telling you before, you know, one of the hats I wear is this like pastoral role. And for a lot of people, like that's a very like straight edge, like, oh, you're like Christian or you're a pastor, so you must not drink. So for me, like going out and drinking was like part of being a safe person for people to be like, oh, well, he's a pastor, but like, mm. he like drinks. Look how so, normal he is. So it's like yeah. cool or like <laughs> normal, right? Which is crazy. Mm-hmm. But then for me, it was like uh, this, in, even in this conversation, this kind of realization that like, I never really cared whether I drank or not, but felt like, oh, I should drink so that people have this thought. Like it, I was trying to manufacture like an appearance or a persona that people would then see me as rather than them just being like, Oh, of course you're like a pastor. Of course you don't drink and like make all these assumptions that I was like, well, I don't want you to make those assumptions about me. Totally. But then I'm like not living in alignment to who I am. Yeah, exactly. But even like if I just pulled out that bottle of alcoholic beer and swapped it with a non-alcoholic beer, same image, you think? Well, yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, you're you're there. I I don't know though. If it was a non-alcoholic beer, people, just going back to the stigma, uh, st- the stigmas that we're talking about, they might be like, "Oh, he's drinking a, a Bex or Nadules or whatever <laughs> these yeah, old yeah. ones we had. Yeah. Like he must have had, he must be an alcoholic. He must have a problem." Mm. Oh mm. yeah. So I don't know. Just playing devil's advocate here. That's true. 
yeah, in, that the, exists. in this church conversation. You that know, you exists. Gotta have, those. gotta have it. I mean, that's my whole, that's her whole mandate, really, is to be able to swap out mm-hmm. the alcoholic wine from the non-alcoholic wine. Same, you know, giving people the same profile and aroma and beverage experience mm-hmm. yeah. without the intoxicating effects. Yeah. Can yeah. you create the same event? Well, one thing, let's get into your, your brand and the business that you've created and how you got there. But I think that's one thing that you guys are creating. I think the brands and the products that you have brought in create that experience. Like they're not O'Doul's and Beck's. These are like beautiful bottles with beautiful branding, with beautiful ingredients that Uh taste incredible. Um, The experience, I would say, is better than when you're looking at all of that. There's so much intention and craftsmanship that... Um, goes into these brands and these products that you're working uh-huh. with. So I, I feel like when I think about what you guys have created, it's it's definitely like a better version um, just because it's full of intention. Uh-huh. Uh, when I think of like Bex and O'Doul's, I'm like, that's just like masking something. <laughs> well, At some point they thought though, we need to like, we need to service a need for yeah. somebody, right? We want to hold the customer. We want to hold people's presence, but we want to offer them something else because we don't want them to leave us. Mm-hmm. So they had somewhat of an intention of there course. in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, the execution of it is where we're probably not seeing alignment. But yeah, so my, my mom actually is the, the real driving force behind Sensorium's creation. Yes, how did it start? Let's get into it. How did, how did Sensorium start? <laughs> yeah. What are you guys doing? What is Sensorium? I know. So a couple of years ago, um, my mom came back from Scotland. She has quite the, the drinking heritage herself. Um, and she was really, you know, kind of struggling. She was struggling to, like, lose those few pounds or sleep better or, you know, just feel well. And the only thing she hadn't done in 20 years of all these types of diets was cut out alcohol. So she thought maybe for a few weeks I'll just try it and see what happens. And went down a rabbit hole um, and just found so much information about the brain on alcohol and what it was doing. And um, there are now a ton of studies that show it, you know, will fast track you to all sorts of degenerative diseases in the brain. Um, so it's not great. <laughs> it doesn't look positive on the outcome. And she just thought, after I know this information, I don't know how I can go back. I don't know how I can keep drinking. And so she immediately cold turkey cut it. And this was my mom who, you know, wine o'clock at the end of the day, loved her, loved her glass of wine, loved that Chardonnay, you know? And I grew up with that. That was super normal in my family. Um, a, a glass or two or three every night with dinner was absolutely normalized. And that woman just went cold turkey. <laughs> and she hasn't picked up a glass since. But what she 100% knew was I love the ritual. I don't want to give the ritual up. There's got to be something else. And I don't want to drink a sparkling water. So she went out and found some, you know, some, some wine options that were available, some non-alcoholic wine options that were okay, that did the job. But it kind of got a little tired after a few months and, you know, I was trying to support her and I you know, find other things and couldn't really find them either. By Christmas, this is the end of 2020, um, my dad was running around to four different stores trying to find all these different types of wines and beers that we wanted to have our mimosa on Christmas morning and the beer in the middle of the day and that kind of thing. And we thought, this is ridiculous. We're <laughs> There's got to be a business opportunity here. Yeah. Absolutely. And How come no one's doing I this? I know, yeah. right? 
And so her her sort of career, she was going into her now uh, second retirement, but she that woman will work till the day she dies. She was not ready to stop working. And I was kind of coming up to a bit of a career change as well, and my sister was too. And so the three of us just went into it together. Amazing. And I would have never guessed that I would work with my family in this capacity. Um, and yet here we are, you know, and it's working. And we do work. We do the work to work together, which is really wonderful. And I'm so mm -hmm. proud of how far we've come. Um, the, the sort of the, the thing that I could see coming from working in wellness and brands for the last sort of eight, nine years is that you can never do it the way it was done, <laughs> first of all. And when I was working in sexual health and wellness and building a brand there, I could see that we were, you know, for the last 10 years as Instagram really ro rose and kind of shone a light, literal light and camera on everyone's inside lives, our wellness kind of followed in track with that. So we exposed what we were eating and how we were moving and what we were thinking about and how we were meditating on. And, you know, we, everything kind of rose and now we're at this place where sort of the last few things that need to be uncovered about the human spirit and about um, wellness are really coming to the forefront. So we've got, you know, the legalization of cannabis has happened now. We're on the verge of mushrooms. We're looking at psychedelics. Sexual health was, you know, really kind of coming up in the last few years with the normalization from folks like Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop um, and lots more toys out in public market. Um, and I could see in sort of like this research that I was doing at that time, like sobriety was right there. It was like the last thing that we really hadn't looked at. Mm. You know, we're waking up, we're meditating in the morning, we're doing all the yoga, we're doing all the gym moves, and at the end of the day, we're trashing our bodies. <laughs> and we're like, we're kind of, what are we doing? We're undermining our own ability to be well by doing this big loop in the day and then trashing it at night. So I think we're on the verge of something and it's gotta be sobriety. So that was the emphasis for me going, yes, mom, the marketplace is what we need to do. Like you're onto something, but how do we do it? And most folks thought that, yeah, this is a really great business model for pregnant women. Mm. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's probably it. I was like, that doesn't feel right. Like I wasn't always pregnant. <laughs> I was <laughs> pregnant for a couple, you know, a few months, but I didn't want to drink the year before that and the year before that. And even while I was breastfeeding, I could have drank, but I didn't really want to. So. I was like, I think this is actually a business for people that drink. I think we're actually gonna speak to those folks who drink alcohol and go, hey, maybe you don't wanna drink as much alcohol. And here's a really great alternative that we've vetted, we've tasted, because we drank alcohol before this and we know how good it can taste. Here's a great alternative and here's the space to do it in. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily an Alcoholics Anonymous space. <laughs> and there are some that have to be like that, and I really, really respect that. But there's also another space where you can also drink alcohol some days and not the other day. And you could have an alcoholic drink at the beginning of the night and finish your whole night with non-alcoholics, and that's okay. And it looks cool, and it's elegant, and it feels wonderful. It feels the same, you know, tangibly in your hands, it feels the same. So I wanted to create that experience. Yeah. That's really cool. That's so cool. Yeah. I've got so many thoughts that are going in so many directions from there. <laughs> One, uh, just because I always bring things to, you know, the vegan movement because it's something that I'm passionate about. Just seeing something similar with what's happened with like meat alternative products and dairy alternative products. Like, they're not necessarily made for vegans or plant based people. They're made to like, kind of shift the the paradigm and 
make healthier options for both our bodies and the environment available for for everybody and i think that's the case like just we've been talking about alcohol this whole time but i love drinking things like i'm always having like like I have an Olipop right now. I'm always grabbing different like carbonated drinks or prebiotic drinks or like, you know, I love fancy forms of hydration, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. And um, in many ways, like you're bringing products that we can, we can celebrate this because I don't want to have a beer or a glass of wine, but I would love to have something that's going to make me feel good. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these alternatives like if you look at the herbs like they're amazing for our our bodily function so Mm -hmm. instead of um you know damaging our body and damaging potentially our next day or night or how we show up in the world we're actually elevating it Mm -hmm. you know you're improving your digestive system you're bringing Mm -hmm. prebiotics and herbs and all sorts of stuff Mm -hmm. into your into your body which will allow you to hopefully show up in Mm -hmm. in a better way for yourself in the world so that excites me absolutely well i think there's a huge market like there's so many times where you know like there's a beer in the fridge and like i can there's probably four that have been sitting in my fridge for literally months to the point where i'm like are those those still good like (laughs) googling like how long can a beer last in the fridge yeah but like i love the different flavors and i mean there, there are a lot of really good like breweries here locally that are that make delicious beer yeah but then for me it's like i don't i don't really want to have to drink one and like feel intoxicated or kind of like go through and wake up and be like, oh, I like one too many or whatever. Exactly. You know, and it's for me, it's like young kids, they're up at the same time, regardless yeah. of what you drink or don't kids, drink. Yeah, kids exactly. don't care about your hangover. Yeah, they still, no. they still need you, right, to be dad in the morning. And like, I, yeah, you know, and I still remember like a good friend of mine was saying, because we were talking about drinking and this and that, and he's like, yeah, I just really don't, really don't drink anymore because I never want to be in a situation where, if someone calls me and needs me to help them out, I can't just drop what I'm doing and go help. So let's, he's like, let's say, for example, like something happened to you on a Saturday and you're like, hey, can you come meet me? I, I'm like stuck, I need you to help me, whatever. And he's like, oh, I can't, because I'm like five beers deep. He's like, I don't ever want to be in that position for my kids or for like people that I care about. And I was just like, oh yeah. 100%. Like that's, that's a good reason. Yeah. But I still enjoy like the taste and all that. Yeah. But to be able to like have something and then not feel that way in the morning or be able to like hop in the car and zip across town because yeah, I can. Be reliable. Yeah. 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 I think um, I, I res- resonate so much with that. Like that's for me when my daughter looks up at me and she can trust me and she can rely on me and she can feel independent because she can depend on me. Yeah. That's an amazing feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a really great feeling. That's better than any like intox shot or like (laughs) a level of intoxication like where my you know my inhibitions are kind of loosened and i feel good yeah for for a short moment yeah like making such intentional direct eye contact with your child or your loved one like that's more intoxicating than like Uh, yeah like when my youngest son cole he just like stares at you so deeply and i'm like for that moment i'm like hi you know yeah 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 i'm intoxicated and that i would prefer to enjoy that intoxication than knocking back a bunch of tequila shots yeah, yeah exactly maybe exactly. that's just me <laughs> well i think like the greatest th- those moments right like that you describe being able to know that your little person can like fully depend on you or connecting with you know our kids or partners or whatever it is and like just the precious value of 
like the present moment and mm -hmm. truly knowing like it's all we have like this right now right here is like this is it mm -hmm. and to to begin to like wake up to that mm -hmm. you know in our morning meditations or routines and mm -hmm. try to be intentional throughout our day but then again when it comes to like social time or whatever we like dull that or miss that or, or drink to the point that like we're not actually able to be present and take mm -hmm. in like we're robbing ourselves of like the most precious gift we have which is mm -hmm. to be fully aware and present and like in the spaces that we're in yeah rather than like dulling ourselves away from that and yeah and when you're not trying to escape your life you will feel peace in the present moment yeah you will feel relaxation at the end of the day when you're in alignment with the work and the people that you engage with all day long yeah. you won't feel that exhausted mm. you know you won't feel so energetically drained because you've outpoured so much to so many other people that you're not in alignment with right so we we have to like it's not just about stopping alcohol. <laughs> yeah. That's just like one thing. We got to look at a lot of different areas in our life and go, what's what's the constellation of self right now? What do we need to look at? Mm. What are all the stars and how are they aligned? That's that's the work, I would say. If yeah. you're thinking about not drinking and you have a little bit you have a little bit of nervousness around what you're going to do instead, there's a bigger question underneath there. So what does intention look for you, look like for you? Because that's kind of where we're talking about bringing intention into mm -hmm. how we drink, how we show up. What does, what mm -hmm. does intention look like for you when you're embodying it, when you're practicing it? Mm. I often talk a lot about uh, to my like future self, like what does future Fiona want to be doing, yeah. and that's a little bit about what you were saying with your friend that wants to be reliable for the person that might call. And of course, we can't always look at ourselves in the future all day long, every day, but to tap into who do I want to be, that's intentional for me. Um, who do I want to be known to for other people, that makes me super intentional. I'm a Leo, so I'm a little bit like, look at me. Like, I want to look at me, but don't look at me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but showing up for other people is really important to me. Relationships are extremely important to me. And if I'm reliable, that feels like wholehearted goodness in my body. Um, and I can't be reliable when I'm, when I'm literally not able to function at my highest capacity. Mm -hmm. And now we're not talking about alcohol at all. We're talking about you know, taking care of your body from the food that you put in. We're taking care of your body from the movement that you practice. And I've had some pain in my body recently, and I feel like I've not been as available to my community as I usually am. And I've felt the effects of that on my spirit mm -hmm. you know, and in my soul. So... Um, there, this is a whole self-care practice way beyond, way beyond alcohol. Yeah, because it's a tool. Like I think it's a tool that people use to survive. Yes. So like I hate my job, but I don't have to deal with it. So I'm just going to go and hate it. And then when I come home, I'm just going to like dull that fact. Or this relationship is like challenging, but rather than like do the work <laughs> and dig into it, I'll just like drink so that I can be like in it but yeah. not really yeah and so yeah this, this is interesting that it's like that is this like it's not the cause it's like yeah. the, the thing we try to self-medicate with totally and you may not be like oh no i'm not an alcoholic like i don't drink to be drunk or anything like this but it's you're not you're using it to like pull yourself away mm -hmm. from whatever the actual thing you need is to as you said like have your kind of constellation of self be mm -hmm. like 
align. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's so good. I mean, humans just love variety. Mm -hmm. This is the thing. We, when I was learning about sexuality and, and sexual wellness, um, I learned quickly that it's, it's really about variety. We mm -hmm. love things. We love state changes. We love things to shift a little bit. You know, not, not drastically to the point where your, your whole life flips upside down all the time, but that's why we love that end of day ritual or that morning ritual or that happy hour ritual. So we love those little bits of variety in our lives. So rather than do away with it, um, you know, we're not saying stop everything and never do it again. Stop drinking alcohol altogether. Um, first have the awareness and then choose your own adventure with it. Is it a little bit? And then is, you know, can I offer you something from Sensorium that actually looks, feels, tastes the same and you know, gives you that ritual that you're looking for? Amazing. That's, that's the goal. Yeah, that's so cool. So at Sensorium, I got a bunch of questions from a lot of the things that you said, but at Sensorium, basically you guys are uh, bringing in various uh, brands, products, um, non-alcoholic drinks, and you guys are wholesaling and distributing them across Canada, or, or what, is, what is it looking like right now? Yeah, so first and foremost, we're a marketplace yep. for non-alcoholic products, wine, beer, spirits, and more. Um, we started the business a year ago with importing product that we wanted to see in Canada. There is some selection here. There's not everything. And the U.S. and Europe and Australia have amazing selections. They're two, three years ahead of us in terms of industry. So we're a little bit behind. We're probably the last largest industry to come, come together with the non-alcoholic um, product line. So we brought in a few things that we wanted to see. And we curate the rest um, in Canada. Um, so we're growing into, you know, hopefully the largest sort of premium selection of non-alcoholic wine, beer, and spirits. Um, and aperitifs and concoctions kind of come in there as well. That's the stuff that you would see that have like really beautiful herbs and botanicals and are either, you know, plant-based or vegan and have like a, have a really great brand and message behind it um, that are not a spirit or a wine or a beer um, comparison. I love those ones personally. Like when I look at the ingredients and I see other all the yeah. herbs and adaptogens and yeah. all these amazing foods that are in them, I'm like, yeah, let's have let's have yeah. one of those. But they pour like a cocktail and you have them in a martini glass or a coupe and it's you get that same experience, right? And they're really aromatic, like mm -hmm. the smells and like, I mean, because a lot of drinks are herbal in nature. Like I know, like maybe I'll say it wrong, but like like when we used to have Jaeger bombs, like Jägermeister was like a, a drink in Germany that was like a herbal tonic uh, mm -hmm. to like support support like digestion or something yeah. like that. And mm -hmm. like a lot of alcohol kind of had, I'm not a historian <laughs> on this at all, but a lot of alcohol had like roots that were in, in some form of digestion or some form of ritual that wasn't about being intoxicated. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's what aperitif and digestif are from, right? And that's yes. our origins of alcohol. And cocktails are meant to be drank before so that you can help digest your um, food. But the um, it's kind of similar to what's happened when you look at sort of meat and how meat is produced or served, sorry, with salt and pepper and spices and plants to make it taste good. Mm -hmm. The actual ethanol doesn't taste good. We <laughs> we yeah. we blend it, we mix it, and we you know ferment it and do all these things to it with plants or other ingredients to help it become something that we want to taste. And even then, we put it into a cocktail with lemon juice or lime juice or, you know, just sweets and stuff and cordials to, to make it go down. Yeah. <laughs> make the medicine go down. So 
Um, take that away, take the actual just molecule of ethanol away, and you might actually enjoy it more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, most, most people are drinking cocktails because they, they actually don't want to taste the alcohol, right? Yeah. And they're like, oh, that's too strong. Yeah. So like, add, can you add some more soda or whatever? Because yeah. it's not like a taste that we're really like, drawn to most people yeah. seem to be quite averse to it right it's like i would be, be your body is because it's technically a poison yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so your body is like no thank you right it's so we dress it up thing. and yeah. we train ourselves like i remember like those first beers or that first time i had scotch or tequila it's like like repulsive you mm -hmm. know like you're mm -hmm. like your body's saying no mm -hmm. but you're like oh but it's cool <laughs> so let's get through this <laughs> let's get through it yeah yeah, you remember those tricks you had to do, like plug your nose, hold your breath, take it back? And yeah. we would do these weird things in bars to be able to drink and drink alcohol. Yeah, I don't have to do that anymore, which Thank is great. God, yeah. I love, <laughs> I love what I drink. Um, but yeah, that is a funny, a funny little comparison, how mm -hmm. we mix things up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that analogy. I mean, I think it is similar, like uh, when people are like, I couldn't go vegan because I, I love burgers or chicken and I ask them well, well what flavors do you love and they'll just describe all the spices all the herbs all the vegetables yeah. that you put yeah. on the meat and like, yeah. oh so like it's got nothing to do with the meat you just like the, the sauces the sauces and yeah. the flavors that are <laughs> added to it yeah and what I'm hearing is like the same with what you guys are, are creating and fostering is you know we can have that flavor profile because exactly. we've been dressing it up all this time already so yeah. it's already something that we love and appreciate mm -hmm. without harming and poisoning mm -hmm. our body mm -hmm. what a win what a win so for people that want to get their hands on some of these delicious bottles like are are people able to purchase it directly through your website or is it through um yeah they can go on yeah straight so online sensorium.com yeah and everything is there um you can follow us on social if you want to see me and my sister <laughs> come on and talk to the different brands that we cool. um, have in our little arrangement here. Um, we ship across Canada, so we have a flat rate in BC and a flat rate across um, Canada, so all the way to the islands you can get our products. Um, we try to make it affordable for people, so we're not... Um, the interesting thing about price is uh, some folks think that non-alcoholics should be cheaper because it doesn't have the alcohol in it. Um, so that's another conversation about the value of the actual alcohol itself, and that's, you know, maybe for another day. But um, <laughs> we actually have, I would say, all beverages should be priced as they're made, you know, at, with the craftsmanship that they come with. And in many cases, a de-alkalized wine has more steps than a alcoholic wine and has a more expensive technology to be able to surface that taste and flavor so mm -hmm. you'll find things that are anywhere from you know 12 and 13 dollars all the way up to 26 but in a, in a wine category but that's what you'll see at the at the liquor store as well so mm -hmm. it's priced for everyone um, and we can help you find what you're looking for I love that beyond the alcohol, you guys are also celebrating the artisans like the the makers I think that's beautiful and, mm -hmm. and that's something we're kind of in this consumer capitalistic world that we live in with this like fast food kind of fast consumerism, fast fashion culture. And if mm -hmm. we can kind of slow things down and celebrate these artisans and these makers, mm -hmm. I think there is so much more value mm -hmm. there. I would Absolutely. much rather spend $40 and put that money towards a creator than, you know, $20 on, on some 
kind of mass produced product that uh, you know doesn't have the same impact on somebody's life yeah well you know what's interesting is a lot of the brands were made during covid that's so cool yeah so a lot of these brands including marketplaces were started homegrown because people were at home so much Mm -hmm. and they were either drinking a lot or they recognized oh now i've got the time to put into that project that i've been thinking about for so long i've made this kind of beverage for years as a as an award-winning bartender or something and now i can actually put it into practice so we've they've they've had limited ability to grow their business in the way they would have had before the pandemic so it's really important for i think all of us to recognize that these are like these are really fresh businesses they don't have a ton of investment behind them um they don't have lots of working capital um to begin with and they started like within the last two years right in bedrooms and living rooms like ours um it's important to support that that's so cool yeah i can get behind that Mm -hmm. for sure well and it's like it's i don't know it's one of those things where you can you can feel good about your choices both in like what you're doing for yourself and like how you're supporting someone else and i just looking at your website too and there's even like some some like local local brands right yeah like red racer yeah and I didn't like I didn't even know that they yeah. made I love the name Street Legal. Street Legal. Right? Like yeah, it's kinda it's kinda it's good so like cool. they're playing into it. But yeah. Yeah, I'm like curious because they had lots of their IPAs and they're like award winning, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, oh, there's an option. Yeah, they've got great beer. There's a new brand that just launched called Nani and uh, Lee's running around the city doing a great job at getting his beer out to people. Um, we've got some local spirits, Lumette from the island is one of them. Um, and more across Canada are growing. I'd love to see more people in Canada produce non-alcoholic product. If anyone's out there that has a, a vineyard that wants to create a dealkalized wine with me, <laughs> call me. <laughs> I'd love Shut to see up. Canada create its first dealkalized wine. I think that's missing. I think we have the grape to do it. We just haven't tried yet. Wow. But the market is there, and we can assure you that it will follow and support you. It's got to um, happen. It's got to so happen. Many incredible wineries yeah. uh, here in Canada. Yeah, it's a matter of time. Someone's probably working on yeah. it. We just haven't connected yet. Right. But um, always putting a shout out there. Definitely. And there's a market that's growing. There's lots of space to play, and it's a beautiful community of people um, that are very supportive of each other. And when one raises, we all raise. So mm-hmm. that's the marketplace's mentality. I'm just getting excited and thinking about like when we get back to regular community events going to a sandstorm event where there's like a tasting menu Mm -hmm. and just trying like a a flight of all these botanical amazements well if you've gotten to the end of this podcast you will you are invited to an event that we're actually having at nemesis at the end of the month where you can have five different cocktails that we will craft um, and listen to another podcast but you can also come and taste at the juice track on the 12th and 13th yes we'll, we'll, we'll be there sure. we're gonna be able, and you can buy the product which is different so yes. we'll have a huge selection of product that you can come and grab um and we'll be i'll be slinging cocktails and tasting wines and beers so come on down amazing amazing well, I've got a few questions, as I always do, and then maybe we can wrap things up, see what you got, Dina. Sounds good. Um, I'm always curious, like, um, you've created this incredible brand with these amazing products. Um, what's next for you guys? Like, where do you hope to take mm. this in the, in the next year, two years? And such beyond? a good question. It's a question that we're answering right now. Yeah. Where do we go? Mm. Especially in such a fresh and young industry, we get that asked um, of us a lot. I would, I'd love to stay independent and out of the ordinary. Um, I'd love to, you know, work with the 
with the community to create more availability in the F&B sector. Um, I'd love to grow our consumer brand sensorium. I'd love to see that be widely available across the country. I'd love to lower the rates of shipping. I'd love to just be more available at all costs. Um, we'd love to craft our own line of beverages, which would be really fun. Um, we have so many ideas for that, and all of, obviously our taste buds are always flowing and being activated, so we've got ideas there. Um, we want to see more brands arrive in Canada, so whatever we can do to support um, importation of other brands in the U.S. and the U.K. and Australia, that would be great. And just more people, love more it. faces. Yeah, yeah love it. bringing more intention to the to the day to day. That's it, really. Choosing yeah. choosing those drinks. I always I always think, um, you know, bringing our values to the food that shows up on our plate, but also bringing those values into the the drinks that we're choosing mm-hmm. to. Partake in, and I, I think uh, you're bringing option to that where people can live in alignment with their values. Mm-hmm. So. And shifting, yeah, shifting the drinking culture yes. and starting that early. Yes. And we have a lot of um, communities that have been deeply, deeply affected by alcoholism, and it's important to recognize the roots of that um, here on our own land and how we can support the the changing of culture in those communities. Um, it affects all of us. Mm-hmm. So it's this is not a necessarily a consumeristic mission. This is a heartfelt, from the soul mission. I really, really hope that alcoholism can be ended in some shape or form in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And if I can just play a small role, that would be really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Like to think the impact, obviously like from a business standpoint, you're always saying, okay, how can we grow and reach more people? But what can be lost is like, I mean, in in not being dramatic like literally you could be saving people's lives and that's like that's impressive not every company can make that claim right Mm -hmm. to be doing something and growing and being successful but the immediate like side benefit of that is like you are giving people their lives back Mm -hmm. which is really really Mm -hmm. impressive Mm -hmm. and awesome right and like that that alone just makes you want makes me want to like support it and participate Mm -hmm. in it because it's like the healthier better option and choice that like you said kind of like can lift Mm -hmm. collectively our community Mm -hmm. and communities yeah yeah let's see awake people yeah let's see alive Mm -hmm. people oh yeah like let's let's get there you know i want to be part of that community yeah 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 i love it i'm just th- listening to this thinking about like everybody myself included has somebody if not themselves that have been affected by alcohol or alcoholism and if if we can create habits that um don't destruct the way that alcohol does because like dean was mentioning like for addiction like alcohol's just um like a self-medication it's not like the alcohol is not the problem but if we can bring in options that are constructing versus destructing i feel like there's so much possibility Mm -hmm. and i think that's where healthy communities can can flourish and and just kind of domino Mm -hmm. out in such an incredible way so I think people like yourself are creating so much good and and uh i'm stoked for you thank you thank you i really appreciate it should we do a little random rapid fire to wrap things up rapid fire yeah rapid rapid. just throw all the oddballs at you and see where things go okay it's actually so funny i have like a list of just like rapid fire kind of like 
whatever conversation random questions and and one of them it's so funny for this conversation. It says, are you a mocktail or a cocktail person? <laughs> <laughs> what's in your mocktail? Yeah. What's your, what's your go-to? Mocktail is like a funny word too. It like is, is a there, funny is word. Is there like another word that we have or is it just mocktail? I actually just go straight to cocktail. Yeah. 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 You're going to make me something? It's a cocktail. Right. Yeah, Concoction? Cocktail. Yeah. Great. So I'm a cocktail person. All right. There you go. <laughs> Um, if I'm making a cocktail, oh man, I love so many different things, but, um, uh, Negroni, non-alcoholic Negroni. I yeah. love Oof. essence of orange and I just love the way the rind hits my nose and yeah, yeah it's really good. That's nice. good. That's a good mm-hmm. one. Right on. Obviously you love all the brands that you're working <laughs> yeah. with because you curated them all. <laughs> yeah. But if you want to give a shout out to a couple for mm-hmm. people that are maybe new to this or want to try something. Um, what are a couple like easy tap-ins mm-hmm. that uh, people can start with? Oh, super easy. Um, free spirits is probably my go-to for for tequila, gin, and uh, bourbon, which are three of my bourbon. favorite spirits um, or the essence of spirits to work with. Um, so you can find them on our website, Free Spirits. Uh, for beer, I love Nirvana. They are a really beautiful brother and sister family-owned brewery out of East London, right in like craft brewery culture, right in the UK there. Um, We've brought in some of their best beer and we've got a few more on the way actually. Beautiful glass bottles, taste great. So I would go with Nirvana. Um, From an aperitif, I love Proto. They're out of New York and we have um, a spritz and a still version of their bottles. Those are stunning. That's probably one of the ones that you were thinking about, Zach. Um, got some great ciders out of Hertfordshire in England, nice. like classic cider country uh, called Celtic Marches. And I usually have a few of these bottles on the go from Wood Stove. They're these really natural cocktail makers. You can get like a blackberry and sage, a rose honey and lemon, really beautiful mixers just enough sweetness you add a little bit to hot water or a cocktail and you're set you don't need to have any more mixology experience than that Mm -hmm. amazing Mm -hmm. very cool so so often um when we're like having friends over and that kind of traditional like happy hour cocktail hour and you know sharing beverages whatever they might be alcoholic or non music always plays a role Mm. do you have a favorite artist or current like spotify playlists Oh my gosh, that's such a big question. Fiona's got to make a playlist Whoa. for us, I think. I have yeah. a ton of playlists. Okay. I'm, a, I'm like music. If it's not silent in my house, there's a lot of music going on, and that's like morning to night. Um, what am I listening to right now? Uh, I'm actually listening to a lot of um, Sigma, which is like 2000 and like 2000s uh, like drum and bass out of the okay. UK. So, you know, it's like the winter blues right now. I'm trying to like pick up the pace a little. Um, a little bit of Canadian Catronata, you know, so just good. like a little soulsy. So good. Um, and then I like to flip it back, like let's get some Lauren Hill on, Eric Clapton, Blue Rodeo. Oh, nice. Yes, <laughs> that's like the top twenty on my list right now. Amazing. Yeah. A moment of everything. Yeah. Yeah, is I know. Tops. So good. Oof. Yeah. I don't know that one. I'm gonna have to look it up oh, after. Oh Pass that over to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You. You'll be fine. <laughs> that's awesome. One question that we ask a lot of people just because love hearing what inspires inspiring people. Mm. Uh, what are some, some books that um, maybe you've recommended regularly throughout your life or that mm. you've gifted um, mm-hmm. to numerous people throughout oh your goodness. time 
or just something that you'd recommend that helped shift um, mm-hmm. something in your life? The, the one I've probably gifted the most is A New Earth, Eckhart Tolle. Uh, a book I'm reading right now is by David White, Con- uh, Consul- what's it called? You can look it up, David White. Uh, you can cut this out of the <laughs> consolations. Consolations. It's in my car. I could literally grab it right now. But um, it was gifted me at Christmas time, and okay. I am reading it a lot right now. Uh, consolations. Yes. Yeah, David White. Confirmed. The, it's the one called Consolations. Yeah. The soulless <laughs> nourishment and underlying meaning of everyday words. There you go. I like that. Very cool. Beautiful short chapters um, on regret or resentment or joy and love and just really lift my day when I read one in the morning. Those are my two favorites right now. Okay. Very cool. Once the, you know, the world's safe to travel again, where, where are you going? Oh my goodness. Where would you like to go? I think two places, um, Portugal and Japan. Nice. Yeah. Very different. Everywhere sounds dreamy right I know, now, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Maybe Bora Bora. I think yeah, just somewhere like different. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Finn really wants to go. My old older, oldest son, Finn, wants to go to Japan because he's obsessed with like a P- a Pokemon and Mario Brothers, and they're both from Japan. So <laughs> in his head, it's just like this country full of Pokemon and that's Mario cool. Brothers. Well, we my parents always had um, exchange students growing up. So from cool. when I was two years old till now. They've always had a, had mostly Japanese exchange students, cool. and a few of them even came to my sister's wedding. Like they're so deep in my family, oh, wow. um, and my parents went a couple years ago and met like went and met all of them in Japan again. So I'd like to do that too. Need some alcohol-free sake. It's huge in Japan. Alcohol-free. Alcohol-free is sake. a massive industry. Wow. Yeah, they're one oh. of the biggest. Because yeah. I really like the flavor of sake. That would be a nice one, like a warm sake. You know? Yeah, that would be perfect. Mm. Some of the I think it was because of. Um, something to do with before the Olympics they stopped all alcohol being served so every restaurant has just this amazing um, array of non-alcoholic products so some of our imports say that their biggest industry is Japan wow that's so cool yeah really wild what's the other uh, shochu that's the other Japanese like spirit I think right Mm. it's the big one it's like the the new sake I think that's what everyone says Everyone I want the new like alcohol-free <laughs> version of that song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the new new. The new new. I haven't tried it, but apparently people really like it. All right, so there we go. There you go. <laughs> you watching anything good on Netflix or Crave or any of those uh, platforms these days? Oh, my gosh. Do you know what brought me back to my Scottish lineage? Um, the uh, the show with, you know, when they, they travel back in time all the time. Oh, like um, Outlander? Outlander. I haven't watched oh, it. That, I, was, that was my 2021 show. Okay. Do, people love that show. I need I to was, check it out. I, I spoke with a Scottish accent for two months after that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Just brought me right back. That's amazing. Yeah. I probably shouldn't watch it. I'll I, be like, hey. <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> My sister just talks about how handsome all the men are in that show. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to say it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now I want to watch it. Yeah, right, right? Uh, kilts, yeah. kilts. Do they wear kilts? They there wear you go. Kilts. My dream is fulfilled. There you go. Handsome men in kilts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. What else? You got anything else, Dean, before we uh, get to our closer? Oof. I mean, I don't know. Should we, should we close it? Let's close it. You know, we'll have future conversations and podcasts together. I feel like this is chapter one. Yeah. Let's uh, let's close this one out. All right. What do we 
need you to close. So this is this is the closer question. We ask it to all of our all of our guests. Zach and I uh, kind of like found our way through friendship into into this podcast, and both of us uh, are firm believers in doing good, uh, being good, feeling good, all mm-hmm. of the good, and so that's kind of reflected in the name of our podcast. A little more good, knowing that's what we want to like see in the world and put out there and represent. But uh, we always want to ask our guest, mm. what does that mean to you? A little more good. Mm. Okay, well, I'm going to jump into something that I do on the side. This is one of the other hats that I wear. I am a doula, a community doula um, in birth. And I believe that a lot of the start of a good life begins with a good birth, or at least a good birth story. And I really hope when I try to help women have good birth stories, that's where I see a little more good. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Mm. I love that. I know you wear so many hats, so it'll be it'll be <laughs> great to have, you know, conversations with some of those other hats. I love that. For, for another pod. Just casually drop that at the end of the pod. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a doula. We'll have to have Fiona back to talk about <laughs> that's so being cool. a doula and so yeah, many other sorry. things. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks, Very guys. cool. So good talking to you. Yeah, thank you really so good. much. Yeah. Looking forward to the... Uh, 12th and 13th. 12th and 13th. See everyone there. Main and 27. It's going to be great. Bring your kilts. (laughs) (laughs) I have a weed, but I'm a non alcoholic. Oh, that (laughs) was good. good. That was good. All right. Until next time, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. All right, everyone. (laughs) <laughs> what'd you what'd you think hope you enjoyed it <laughs> <laughs> it's just so fun i wish know? i was good at accents that's something i was i wished i uh, could you know when i did like grade eight drama class in high school or whatever, like like, yeah. i couldn't do it i just like struggled with uh yeah and some of them you gotta be careful right because yes a lot of insensitivities totally yeah but when it's your heritage yep. it's not Turn appropriation it it's appreciation <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so yeah. what do you think? Oh was, man, was that a sobering conversation? For you? <laughs> yeah, it was good. You know, honestly, like as I said, there was a few moments where, uh, as Fiona was speaking, I was like, "Oh man!" Like thinking back o- over the last couple of years of my own life, and just like how I've l- really lessened the amount of alcohol I drink, and but also thinking back of like social situations or times when I did drink, but I didn't really feel like it, but I just felt like the right thing to do at the mm-hmm. time. And had there been like on the menu or in my fridge, like an option to just like have a non-alcoholic version of, you know, a beer or a cocktail, like, yeah, I'd probably, probably say yes. I'd probably opt for that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I didn't really consciously stop drinking. I, it, I just started to realize that I felt good not drinking. Exactly. And then eventually realized that, you know, I haven't had a drink this year. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't conscious. It was just me choosing that I wanted to feel good. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, I've talked about before, like how I used to be a, a coffee addict. Yes. And then stopped drinking coffee. And I kind of like cold turkeyed it. Yeah. Right. Similar to how she was saying her mom with alcohol. But then it was like that ritual. Yes. Like that morning ritual and kind of like making it and the smell and the taste. Like I really enjoyed the taste. Right. I'm just like straight up drink it black. There's not sugar or oat milk or anything in there really. So like I, I missed that. And then once I 
just started drinking decaf, it's like, oh, all that comes back. Like I still have that ritual in the morning of like making it and grinding the beans and, you know, doing boiling the water and blah, 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 blah. And in a similar way, it's like, I, why not make that same switch? Because yeah. like the negative effect that caffeine was having on me, totally, I got rid of and I can still enjoy. No one's going to shame you for ordering a decaf. Right. Like what's the problem, Dean? Yeah. And yeah. I, and in some ways it's like, it all, it feels more, uh, like badass to be like, yeah, I don't like, I don't need, I don't need caffeine don't need to like caffeine. wake me up. Like I'm good on my own, yeah. you know, like it's empowering. Mm-hmm. And so you think for me, you know, you think, oh yeah, it's like have the non-alcoholic beer. Cause I don't need mm-hmm. alcohol to like free my inhibitions to be able to be social or have fun or do those things. Right. And so, yeah. You can be your silly Scottish self without it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, friends. Well, as always, thank you for listening. Um, I'm here with Scottish Dean. We'll see if he's back next week or not. You never know. <laughs> never know when I'm going to pop up. So Scottish Dean, where do we, uh, where do those, uh, people find us? If, uh, yeah, check us out wherever you listen to your, your pods, obviously Spotify, we're there. Apple, iTunes, Apple pods, whatever it's called. We're on there. Check out our website a little more good. Yep. You can Google us and find us there. Obviously the Facebook and the Instagram like, Drop us, drop us a like, a review. Yeah. Share it with a friend. And uh, if someone's looking to find Fiona and uh, Sensorium, where can we find uh, yeah. her and her team? If you look up sensorium.com, uh, you will find their website. You can order everything through there. Uh, I encourage you to go check it out because it's really, really uh, a great website. You can see all their product, read about it. There's like frequently asked questions and you can kind of see the products that are on offer there and of course don't forget this uh coming february 12th and 13th there's the pop-up at you struck on main street 4236 main street so be there you can try some samples uh you can tell fiona how much you enjoyed the podcast because she'll be there um and you can maybe even test out your own version of the scottish brogue (laughs) (laughs) but yeah check it out All right. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate you all. Peace. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.